you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast, the hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. The Chris Voss Show. Com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. We certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks for being here. We certainly appreciate you. Take and go to see the video version of this awesome interview that we're going to be having with an incredible offer, author on YouTube.com for just Chris Foss. Hit that bell notification so you get all the notifications of everything that we're doing there, and it will be freaking awesome for you. Also, go to Goodreads.com for just Chris Foss. You can see all the books we're reading and reviewing over there. As well, you can, of course, find The Chris Foss Show on Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. There's tons of groups and everything over there. Just go find him, search him, and you'll see us there. we got a great author that's on the show today, Jay Samet. And he has his new book that's uh, coming out on March 23rd, 2021. You'll be able to order up Future Proofing You, 12 Truths for Creating Opportunity, maximizing wealth and controlling your destiny in an uncertain world. Jay is an international best-selling author. He's a dynamic entrepreneur and entrepreneur who widely is recognized as one of the world's leading experts on disruption and innovation. He's described by Wired Magazine as having the coolest job in the industry. He raises hundreds of millions of dollars for startups, advises Fortune 500 firms, transforms entire industries, revamps government institutions, and for three decades continues to be at the forefront of global trends. Welcome to the show, Jay. How are you, my friend? Good to talk to you again, Chris. Great to have you on the show, and it's been just wild. I've known you since, well, you first followed me on my Twitter accounts in 2015, and, and since then, you've, you've done some amazing things on your website. Give us your plug so people can find you on the interwebs. So you can find me at jsamit.com, J-A-Y-S-A-M-I-T, and there you can get free workbooks for any of my books, and you can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Easy to find. There you go. There you go. So give us this book that you have coming out on Mark in March. Give us an idea of what motivated you want to write the book. So my, if you've ever thought of writing a book, I highly suggest doing it. It's probably the most positive experience of my life. When you're a CEO with hundreds of thousands of employees, your inbox is, I hate you. I hate you. Here's a problem. Every day's problems. When you write a book that makes people wealthy, changes their lives, builds their confidence, I've heard from people in 140 countries. I kid you not. It's had a life of its own with Disrupt You. Uh, it's coming out this year in Urdu and Icelandic and Polish. I mean, it continues to spread. And mixed in with all those great emails, occasionally I'd hear, usually it was a millennial, it would say, email me that the book's motivational, but I could never do it. And this aided me. Why was I not reaching these people? I'm only doing this to help. I'm not selling masterminds. I'm not selling anything. So I decided to put my reputation on the line. And I was going to take one young man who grew up on welfare, was homeless, and mentor him one day a week for a year and see if I could steer him and help him to go from that to self-made millionaire. Now, let me tell you the ground rules in the future proofing you experiment. I gave him no capital. 
I introduced them to no context and I didn't tell them what business to do. A good mentor points you in a direction but doesn't tell you what to see. And he worked his butt off. This isn't a get rich quick scheme. This is something anybody can do. But if you follow the 12 truths in this book, you can have the same results. That is awesome. So uh, give us a rundown of the 12 truths. So the first one's the most important one. And I know you talk about this all the time. And that is having a growth mindset. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So if you start off with this positive way of looking at the world, it lights up your synaptic nerves, it releases endorphins, and it puts you in a mindset to see that all the obstacles in your life are actually just opportunities in disguise. Entrepreneurs don't sell things. What they do is solve problems. So if you solve for a million people, you become a millionaire. Solve for a billion, you change the world. And so that's the first one. Now, how do you leverage those obstacles? That's the second truth. I mean, these are common sense. Nothing that you're going to read here is physics, okay? You're not going to go, well, I can't do that. And that was the whole point of taking somebody that at least everybody could identify with that they're at the same starting point, if not better. The third truth is really really the most interesting because most people look at it differently. And that's harnessing fear. You've heard motivational guys talk all the time, get over fear. There's no such thing as fear. Fear is not real. Nothing could be further than the truth. Fear is real. The reason Chris is sitting here is because a thousand generations ago, Chris in the cave, his great-great-grandfather saw a saber-toothed tiger and ran. Okay. So our lizard brain responds before any of our intellectual thoughts. Our lizard brain is the first thing when I see something, is this going to attack me? Is this going to eat me? So everybody has fear. So most people don't start their business because they have fear of being embarrassed. They have fear of losing money. They have fear of losing their job. They have fear of what their parents and friends will say. They have all those fears. And those are real fears. And I'm not telling you to forget fears, but maybe you're focused on the wrong fears, right? If a car is coming at you when you're standing in the sidewalk, you don't think about your job. You think about getting out of the way of the car. So if you're at a job that you don't like, today you traded a day, then it becomes a week, then it becomes a month, then it becomes your whole life. You've given away the most precious thing you'll ever have, your life, for what? And if you talk to your grandparents, talk to senior citizens, Ask them what they regret in their life. And it's not what they failed at. It's what they failed to try. So if you shift your fears to wasting your life, I'm at a job where I'm not growing, I'm not learning. And if you start recognizing that even what you thought was the safest job could go away, hello, for five years, I've been telling everybody that your job will get disrupted. I don't think after the pandemic, I have to make that point anymore. So why not take control of your destiny? Why not focus on the real big picture of living a life of purpose, of getting something out of this wonderful time that we have here and making a difference for your family, giving you the lifestyle that you want. That's awesome. Yeah, that's totally awesome. I mean, we've, we've kind of learned that the hard way this last year, haven't we? Yeah, but here's, here's the thing. Every 48 hours, there's a new self-made billionaire. That's with a B. Let that sink in. Chris, you're a slacker. I won't ask you what you did the last two days, but you wouldn't be talking to me if you had a billion dollar week. Okay. So let's look at the pandemic. The it was just short, just short of a billion. <laughs> just, I, I know yeah. you're working at it. And I, I'm a believer. <laughs> a couple dollars. During the pandemic, the 150 wealthiest Americans doubled their net 
value, not their income for the year, their total wealth. They doubled it in one year. The bottom 140 million Americans are fighting over 1% of the assets. So what are those people doing differently? And Chris, you've known me long enough. I grew up working class. If you would have told me that dozens of friends would become billionaires, I would have wanted to know what you're smoking and asked you to share, okay? But I've seen it happen. I've seen these people that are now household names that I've worked with again and again before they had money. What are they doing differently? And here's, if, I, if you don't have time to read the book, here's all you need to know. You need two things to be successful, insight and perseverance. I can teach you how to have insight and I can teach you how to take your perseverance and turn it into passion. Everything else can be higher. Everything else, someone else can, can do for you. You don't need capital. There's no gatekeeper stopping you. You don't have to live in a major city. You don't have to live in the U.S. You don't have to live in a first world country. I've seen it happen again and again, and it is teachable. And that's, uh, that's pretty powerful when it comes down to it. I mean, a lot of people, they throw up a lot of excuses, and they're, they're like, well, I have to have this, or I have to have that, or I have to have this, or I have to have that. And you've broken down to a very simple principle. Yeah, well, excuses will always be there, right? And haters will always be there. And I've yet to find a hater doing better than me. So <laughs> you'll realize that. That, that these are people that whatever. And when I, I'm not talking politics, but I'm talking the same topic. When I saw what happened at Congress at the beginning of the year, when I saw people doing that, what I saw was a whole mass of people feeling left out, left behind, fighting over leftovers, okay? Mm-hmm. And rather than take anger and blame, why not take that same amount of energy to make a difference, right? To solve a problem, to, to build wealth. The people that are stirring them up figured out how to make money off of those people, right? Yeah, I would, that's I, a great I point. I would have been the guy selling t-shirts, right? But there's always a way. And so from the examples uh, that I give in the book of the people that I've done, I've, I've taught this at one, when I sold one of my companies and I didn't want to run another company and I was trying to find ways to give back. I went and taught this at, at the largest engineering school in the country. And first semester, I had two students that did $150 million. Now you drop out of school and that gets me in trouble with the, with the institution, which makes a fortune off the kids, but I don't think they needed a degree. So I break down in this book, having a higher IQ doesn't translate to greater wealth in life. Tons of studies have been done. Having a four-year college degree no longer translates to being wealthy. So let's start taking those off the tick list of why you're not achieving. Here's the one fact that you do know. Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates have the same 24 hours in a day that you do. Jack Ma, who created Alibaba, a real inspiration. I've known him longer than you. He started Alibaba and what he didn't want anybody to know, not only did he not know anything about computers or software or any of that, he didn't actually own a computer. He'd been turned down for a job at Kentucky Fried Chicken three times. Gosh, wow. Okay. And now he's one of the five richest men on the planet. So- that perseverance, anything that you own, anything that you see, anything you've learned in history was done by somebody that was stubborn. They didn't yeah. give up. That's amazing. I should go get turned down some more by Kentucky Fried Chicken. Clearly, that's <laughs> clearly the pathway. I can see hey, that. Now. The guy who created uh, WhatsApp applied for a job at Facebook, didn't right. get it. Spent a year creating his little app. 
And then the next year sold it for $17 billion. That's the other thing a lot of people don't understand where money comes from. So let's talk about that for a second. And that's one of the things I teach in the book. In, in school, they teach you a lot of useless stuff. I don't know why, I don't know who came on, but the purpose was for you to have enough education to be a soldier or work in a factory. It wasn't a thing for your own. So in fourth grade, you were taught the, hey, Chris, if I buy a banana for $1 and I sell it to you for $2, that's how I make a dollar. Now that is actually true, but that's called zero sum game. It means the only way I make a dollar is by taking your dollar. And if you have that approach to money, then he got the raise, I didn't. You got money, I don't. These people are taking our jobs. This country's taking our job. Robots, everybody's out to get you. It's a doggy dog, miserable experience. Now, let me tell you how most people that have a billion dollars made their money. Chris, I'm starting a new company. Okay, I'll sell you 10% for 10,000. Say, okay. Do I now have 10,000? No, I now have 100,000. 10,000 in cash and 90,000 in equity. And I can use that equity to hire people, to buy things, to trade. That's how Jeff Bezos could lose money year after year after year with Amazon and come out a decade later of losing money as the richest man in the world. Most millionaires didn't make a profit. Let that sink in. Why would big companies buy these money losing things? Why are these startups valued at a billion dollars? I get that question all the time. Mm -hmm. I'll give you some more truths that they don't teach you. Okay. I've been a public company CEO. When you're a public company CEO, you constantly say, I'm thinking about the shareholders. I'm thinking about the customers. I'm thinking about the employees. I'll let you in a little secret. Public CEOs don't get paid that much. They have a huge incentive plan that if the stock hits XYZ, they get obscene amounts of money. So Chris, if I gave you the choice of having your little salary and thinking about other people, or if in the next 16 weeks, you can move the needle on the stock, you get 10, 20, $100 million. What are you going to be thinking about? <laughs> Okay, so now let me translate that to policy. So the life expectancy of a public CEO is the same as a piece of brie cheese. It's got an expiration date on it the day it's hired and it starts stinking after a couple of years and the board gets rid of you. So you're thinking about that incentive. And so if you spend five years R&D building a new product, that's five years of cost. The next guy gets the, gets the profits off. It doesn't help you. So they cut spending, they cut R&D. And they don't do anything. You know what they do? They'd rather overpay for something that's already developed that they can hit this quarter, next quarter, rape and pillage and make their money and then go into happy retirement land. Okay? That's what drives Wall Street. So if you've put the pieces together, here's the other dirty secret nobody tells you. VCs actually hate competition. So if you start something like Uber, good idea, a couple guys thinking about it, and you give them a billion dollars of operating capital, who's going to fund their competition? No one. Because you got to play catch up with the guy with the billion dollars. Mm -hmm. So they're constantly creating new monopolies. <laughs> Google. Google was a search engine. They didn't come up with the sell advertising model. They bought that. They missed the whole mobile revolution. So they bought Android. And they'll continue to buy to maintain as long as they can being on top. So wouldn't you like to do something that those big guys have to buy? You don't Definitely. have to be an engineer. Yeah. yeah. Chris, you've written as much computer code as Steve Jobs. <laughs> That's true. 
Steve couldn't write code. Neither can I. Nope. There <laughs> you, you go. Put, if you put a gun to my head, I, I think I can do the parentheses or the greater uh, science. Okay. So he created a trillion-dollar company without knowing how to write code, read code, understand code. All right? So can anyone else. We all live in this tech world. I mean, one of the, the truths that I really have to beat up on people is I don't care whether you're opening a restaurant, a pair of clothes, you name it, you are opening a high-tech startup. Everything's about tech. You're one click away on your phone from 7 billion customers. Where would you want to be? At the corner of Main Street or the one touch away from 7 billion people? Oh, if you let me, I'll, 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 I'll play a game with you and embarrass you because it's a rigged game. I know the answer is you don't. If I take you back 10 years ago and I give you a million dollars to buy one tech stock, but you only get the million dollars if you picked the number one performing tech stock of the past decade, what would it be? The Apple one. Nope. You got me? Wouldn't be Facebook, wouldn't be Google, wouldn't be Twitter. Was it Exxon? Wouldn't it be Uber. Exxon Mobil or Exxon? Okay, I'll tell you the number one tech stock. Oh, tech stock, duh. not Exxon. Yeah. No, that's okay. Yeah. Domino's Pizza. What? And you go to what? How's that a tech stock? What? The majority of Domino's empl employees work in IT. They became app-centric. They knew who their customers were, what their tastes were, how tastes were trending. They could now do market research and developing new things in groups. They've run their whole company off of data and that app. And they exploded. Okay? It used to be for a retailer, it was location, location, location. I'm old enough to remember when I put some of the first stores up and they were shocked that their best-selling store was the one on the web. Wow. And then you had to pull their teeth to say, make an app. I go, why would I do that? I didn't you learn the lesson last time? So one of the things that I do share in the book is there's a new trillion-dollar opportunity that no one has a bigger piece of than you right now, Chris, meaning no one's got a piece. The big guys are spending billions and billions and billions on the hardware part of it, just like when the smartphones came out and the iPhone came out. Could you live without your phone? No. No. Could you it's run your business. business without your phone? Yeah, that's my business, okay. yeah. Do you think everybody would agree with that statement uh, globally? Yes. Probably. Okay. Yeah. Yet, when it came out, what were the best-selling apps that first year? What were those killer business solutions that, that Apple put on there to take over the market? I'll tell you. There was a fart app was in the top 10. <laughs> okay. There was a game with cats. So my point is the big guys put the infrastructure, 5G's out there, the bandwidth, all this stuff, but they're not building the apps. So you can find your one little niche with no competition and fight to defend it and build it. And that's all that I had this young man do. His name is Vin Clancy. Mm -hmm. Like many millennials, and I'm not picking on millennials. I love millennials, but I was trying to reach a new generation. I'm on the wrong side of 50 and I got gray hair. So maybe I don't think the same way but I have two sons that are in that generation. I'm very proud of them. So he said to himself, I understand the social media stuff. I, I could be good at doing social media for people. Just like 40 million other experts that reach out to you on LinkedIn every single day, right? We, we do social media. Well, when you're a guy from welfare, you're not suddenly going to sign up Coca-Cola and Ford Motor as your clients, okay? And the only people who don't have any money but what if you, instead of saying, I can do social media, 
you find an industry that's desperate for social media expert, and you make your, your business about being the social media expert for that industry. Now you're the only one doing it. Get your first client, kill it for them. And in this particular case, he blew it up so big in the first month for the first client. Now you have what Harvard business graduates and MBAs call a case study. Look, I did it for him. I can do it for you. But now because I've done it for him and can prove it, I'm going to charge you a lot. So instead of charging people the $200 that he used to for doing social media, he was now getting clients paying him $10,000, $30,000 a month and happy with the results and re-signing month after month. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty freaking awesome. He just went from ground zero to that. Yep. Wow. And just using the techniques that were in your book and everything you put a spouse in there. Everything in the book except one minor tweak which I didn't let him find out until he read the book and it was typeset because I didn't want him to get mad and make me change it or any of that. In in our first meeting, I lied to him. I don't like lying. It's not something that that I I do, but there was a purpose. There's a, a thing called the Pygmalion effect. And it was studied by a professor who went to an elementary school, tested every kid, told the students, these three students are going to be the super learners, super achievers. They're going to grow the most academically. And at the end of the year, when they tested all the kids, those three kids surpassed the rest of the school. The professor lied. The first test he never looked at, picked three names out of a hat and just told those people they were special and the teachers that they were special. So I knew I had to convince somebody who had a rough life instantly, if I was going to hit it in a year, to have a positive growth mindset. So when I met Ben, I sat down and I said, listen, I've interviewed hundreds of people. And of all the people, you're the only one that has all the characteristics needed to become a millionaire. Just nobody showed it to you, but I know it. And so for him to see somebody older, somebody successful, somebody famous or whatever, believing that he has it, it, it tricked him into having that mindset of believing. When mm-hmm. in fact, he's the only person I ever met. Because if I cherry picked a one guy, if I said, I'm going to pick somebody at random to teach how to play golf. Young man, Tiger, Tiger Woods, that's your name, come over here. That would be a waste of time. So first guy, no selection criteria, and then had to overcome the excuses in his mind or, or the natural pushback that we have from people telling us something that doesn't resonate with our life experience. And that became a superpower. Your natural instinct when somebody, at least for me, when somebody tells me how to do something differently than I'm doing it, it's like, who, who do you think you are? I'm doing it this way, whatever. And so we agreed early on in mentoring that if I could provide data of why I think this works, and you can tell me with data why you disagree, okay. If you don't have the, the backing for why you have your opinion, let's check egos at the door and opinions at the door, and let's try what I'm saying. So, so when I was finishing the book, he sent me something and it's in the book. It's really one of the fascinating things. After that first meeting, he stayed at the restaurant. During the course of the year, I did buy him three pizzas. Okay, so I did, I did subsidize. He wrote a note to himself that he didn't want to blow this thing and whatever, but that he didn't believe this. He didn't believe, <laughs> he didn't believe it could be done. He thought this old guy was full, but, but he had nothing else going on. So he'll play along. Okay. <laughs> And he didn't show that to me till he was $600,000 in, in 
six months. Holy and shit. and <laughs> he could have flown to Europe without a plane. I mean, now let, let's also say what he did. Did he go to any movies that year? Did he go dating? Did he get laid? Did he buy new clothes? Did he watch a sports game? No. He worked harder than more people were willing to so he can live the rest of the life in a manner most people can't. And now he's truly future-proof. I I pushed him hard, kind of like that Navy SEAL stuff where you think they're going to drop it. And I, I didn't want him to tap out because then there goes a good book and a good story. But I also wanted to see what he's capable of. It's not like a physical endurance where he could get a heart attack and die type of thing. But it was daytimes are, are for selling and prospecting and nighttimes for doing the work and sleep is for when you're my age. And he, he was ragged at the end, but he then set his sights on, he was going to take the next year off and travel the world and whatever, knowing that at any time he can do it again and again and again. That's what being future proofs about. And we've seen so many businesses the middle class got squeezed this year. I told you the 150 people, they'd love pandemic, keep on going. They're, they're printing money like the almost stripper at Super Bowl party, okay? But the middle class got wiped out. And if you don't have a middle class, you don't have democracy. And the middle class is shrinking globally. And so I've spent the past few, five years traversing the globe, teaching governments how to create entrepreneurial programs, teaching universities, I had, I was so touched. Again, I talked about my, my readers. I had a school teacher who taught in a tough part of town and said, your book's really inspirational, but it, you know, the first one disrupt you, but it's not aimed for high school kids. Could I adapt it into a book for high school kids and teach entrepreneurship? I said, not only here, here's the rights, go do it. She won teacher of the year by showing kids that there was a choice between working and, and say, would you like fries with that or wearing prison clothes? Right. And I then did what I can do is I can lean on major companies. I leaned on HP and said, wouldn't it be nice if you printed a bunch of these and put them at every boys and girls club, right? So you can change the world. I've seen it again and again. That's what you should be afraid of, missing that opportunity. I mean, you impact people's lives with the show every day. Is that what we need in this moment? Do the government seduce and encourage more entrepreneurism? Is that how we're going to come out of this squeezing of the middle class? Because that's so, been a topic we've... So in this country, we have entrepreneurial heroes, okay? Right? Why did so many poor kids become boxers? Because they saw other poor kids that boxed their way out, out of poverty, or they saw people shoot hoops out of poverty, okay? We see the Steve Jobs and, 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 and the Bill Gateses and the Zuckerbergs and all these people that do it in so many different fields. A lot of countries don't even have those role models locally, so that's where you work with government. In Mexico, we started, I'll say it in English because I'm horrible with my Spanish, Emperador, basically Entrepreneur Week. It's like Shark Week, okay? All the TV shows are about entrepreneurs. The president and I launched it with a big, big webcast and everything. They give awards. And it's simple businesses. A kid that made a little metal stove that uses less fuel for people that don't have any, any, any utilities. In our country, we have the path. We have the VCs, we have the private equity, we have everything we need. But I'll tell you something that's interesting that I talk about in Future Proofing You. That passion. Passion is what got Vin through what he was doing. He had a goal. He had something more than the mundane task at hand. So there's a reason why one out of three Fortune 500 companies was founded by an immigrant to this country or the child of an immigrant. 
Why? Because if they're starting out sweeping floors or working stocking shelves or whatever, what seems like a menial job, that's not their identity. That's a stepping stone on a path that started before they even got here, that they wanted to make a better life, that they were going to do what it takes and figure it out. And that drive translates. Too many people think the world owes them something. World doesn't even owe you oxygen, okay? So that's very that, true. That's, that's what I'm just trying to wake people up that they have the choice. Disruption isn't about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. Yeah. That, a lot of, how do you feel about coaching? I mean, I don't, I don't want to bash the industry, but how do you feel about coaching? Because your book, you don't do coaching. You, you have your book, you set it out and stuff like that. How do you feel about that compared to what's in the book? To give so the, I don't have the time to mentor everybody that asks one-on-one. So I did this to scale. But something that I didn't write about and disrupt you that was a, one of the truths in this one is, is I have a chapter, truth number seven, don't fly solo. You need mentors, not one mentor. You need a series of different stages. And I teach people how to find mentors using LinkedIn, how to develop the relationship. And it's not email a stranger, will you be my mentor? That's walking up to a woman and say, will you have my baby? It doesn't exactly work. You're skipping some steps called finesse, following people, seeing what they write about, starting a dialogue, asking questions, because people want to help you. Mm -hmm. It's not that zero mindset. The people that achieved want validation, want to put their knowledge to to work. And there's organizations like SCORE and YPO and provides so many of these organizations that, that focus on this. I went to a entrepreneur organization, EO. I went to keynote their meeting in Portugal a year ago before the pandemic. And, and I never saw so many people spending a thousand people spending their own time and money to go and help others. Because here's a little secret. Money doesn't make you happy. I know miserable billionaires. I could never understand that when I was poor. Like, what do they have to be miserable about? Their, their, the property value went down on their third house. I mean, I don't know. But many of the ones are third generation that just inherited it and never achieved. But when you solve for others, when you help others, that's where joy and satisfaction comes from. The purpose of life is to live a life of purpose. Whatever your belief set, we all can agree on that. And if you have a perfect life in a perfect world, okay, I'm wrong. If you don't, why not make the world better? Mm-hmm. And so the selfish part of this is if I'm teaching millions of people through my books how to make the world better, who gets the benefit of this better world? Little yeah. old me. <laughs> there you go. I mean, think about it for a second. Aren't you glad that Hollywood has whatever financial system that they have? that somebody's willing to spend $200 million to entertain your butt for two hours. Oh, wow. I'm worth a whole lot more than I, than I thought. Wow. I mean, so. <laughs> I love that I could live in a world where you could see star Wars and Jurassic Park and all these types of things. So that's all I'm about. And I, I've broken it down step-by-step. Step. I went with Wiley this time as a publisher because they're known for that type of book. And I'm just appreciating your help and how to reach people. Yeah. Anything more we haven't touched on that you want to entice people to go out and buy the book? As I said, there's free workbooks so you can get more out of the book and you can get the audio book. If you're not sick of this voice, I apologize. There's the Kindle version and just really 
Take it one page at a time. It's not a straight shot. Even with Vin's story, you're going to see midway through, much to our surprise and much to my fear, he got kicked in the gut. I mean, his business went from hero to zero in the blink of an eye. Oh. No, nothing that he did. And we were talking about this earlier. Company changes the algorithm, stuff changes, right? Mm-hmm. So you wake up one day. But because he had that growth mindset, I was like, this is over, okay? It was a good run. The guy made $500,000, so that's still pretty impressive. He didn't miss a beat. He's okay, I found out that won't work. I got to try something else. I mean, he literally, he didn't have a $100,000 a month that month. I think he did 96000 and was beating himself up. Going, that's yeah, too bad, yeah. This, th- this guy's going to make poorhouse money. He was so focused. So again, Chris, this is what you talk about all the time. And there's a million people claiming things or whatever, but I, I put it to the test and just doing it to help. I love this, that you, you, you ran an experiment and this guy kicked ass. You just did a random one with people that are out there. And it's great. It can really inspire people because there's a lot of people right now. This is a real entrepreneurial time, just like 2008 was, 2009 was. I mean, I had all my companies, 20 years of an empire built, wiped out overnight with the, the, the mortgage crash. My, my mortgage company is my biggest company for almost 20 years. The great innovations came out of 2008, 2009. A lot of the social media stuff like Twitter and, and everything else came out of it. And so I think what we're going through right now with this uh, pandemic and and people being laid off and out of work, there's going to be a whole new mindset of things coming. And I think a lot of VCs that you and I talk to have, they're getting prepared for the next sort of wave of new innovations. Absolutely. And, and one of the things to focus on, again, fill a void. I hate competition. On any day, there's somebody smarter than me, better looking, better connected, wealthier. I mean, I hate those people. So if I'm the only one doing it, I have no competition. And by definition, if you're the only one doing it, you're the best in the world that's doing it. So that's why I've always been doing the next new thing. And it served me well because I don't know how I'd be up against everybody else in the world. So why not go where the puck's going to, not where it was? There you go. There you go. How many books do you have, by the way, off the top? So, of your head? just to disrupt you was the first mm-hmm. one, and future proofing you. They're, the first one's in a boatload of languages. That's just fascinating. That is me. awesome. That I mean, like, awesome. like you don't think. I don't know every culture in the world. I haven't been to as, before this to to as many places. So you don't think that what you're saying translates to Vietnam, where it was number one, or Australia, where it was number one, or Lithuania. But we're all the same. We're adaptable. We are biologically programmed to succeed. Now, that may have been talked out of you by parents and teachers and well-wishers that wanted you not to fail. Well, that was wrong advice. Failing is good. That's how you learn what doesn't work. A baby doesn't stand there, stand in the corner one day and go, today I shall walk across the room. They stumble and stumble to get up. When you play a video game, you don't sit down and then get up four hours later and finished it. You get as far as you can, you hit an obstacle that, that kills you. Then, you. then you figure that one out and you get to the next obstacle and so on. That's all businesses, failing your way to the top. And if you get that mindset that there's no shame in it, no embarrassment in it, that failing is necessary to learn, you don't end up where you started when you fail. You either earn or you learn. So each time you fail, you become more valuable. Any investor would rather invest in somebody who's had a failed business than somebody who's never had one. 
There you go. There you go. So as we go out, Jay, give us your plugs so people can find you on the interwebs in order of the book. So uh, you can find me on Instagram, Jay Samet, Facebook, LinkedIn. My website where you can get the free workbooks is jaysamit.com. And I look forward to hearing from people. Jay's new book, Future Proofing You, 12 Truth for Creating Opportunity, Maximizing Wealth, Controlling Your Destiny in an Uncertain World uh, by Jay Samet. Definitely order that baby up. Thanks for being on the show with us, Jay. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Hit that bell notification. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Uh, also, you can find us on The Chris Foss Show on Facebook, Twitter. Go to, uh, what is it, LinkedIn and everything else. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Stay safe, wear your mask. We'll see you guys next time.